Hi, welcome to The Kicker. I'm Kyle Pope, editor and publisher of the Columbia Journalism Review. This week, finding new ways to tell the story of climate and the environment. So we've been talking a lot in CJR and on this podcast even about challenges that journalists face in writing about the climate crisis and getting people to engage in it and finding new ways to tell this story. I'm thrilled to be joined this week by Kadir von Lohausen, who is a Dutch journalist who has sort of made it his business in recent years to do these incredibly deep dives into climate issues, into pollution, into the effects of climate on people. He, he uses photography and drones and video as well as text to tell these incredibly long-form, deep stories. He's, he's looked at waste. He's looked at rivers around the world and, and what's happening to people who live on those rivers. And his most recent project is about the rising oceans. And he chronicles the effects of these events on people who live in these places in these gorgeous photographs and videos that he's had published in the Washington Post and the New York Times and other places. Kadir, thank you for coming in. Very welcome. I, I was talking to a colleague of mine, and I sort of compared your work to being, it's sort of, you're, you're, it's like you're a war correspondent for the environment and climate. That's what you do. You drop into places that are ravaged and sort of make sense of it. Yeah, I, well, it's interesting to compare it like that because you I started that. Way. I, yeah, I, I used to cover a lot of conflicts. I still do now and then, but it, obviously more and more often, uh, conflicts are a result of the climate crisis. Mm -hmm. Water shortages, uh, people losing uh, any farmable land, uh, mm -hmm. the rising sea level. Uh, so, you know, in that context, uh, I think the whole climate crisis, and I rather call it a crisis and not climate change, mm -hmm. uh, because I think it's a real crisis we are running to and, and will have an incredible impact in the next few decades. How do you pick your projects. I mean, you have these amazingly ambitious ideas. You look at you look at what happens to a society's waste. You look at the biggest rivers and and sort of track them from the source to the end. You're now w looking at sort of the effect of rising sea levels on on the earth. These are all like enormously ambitious ideas, but is there a common, th I mean, climate is a cl common theme, but is there something about all of those particular stories that draws you? Well, f first of all, these stories become big. They start small uh -huh. in general. So I start to work on a small story, and then I start to realize that it's much more complicated, there are much more layers to the story, and that it's actually often uh, a, a global issue. Mm -hmm. So, you know, <laughs> sometimes I drive myself a bit nuts because it, it becomes a little megalomaniac. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's very important to look to look at this from a from a global perspective. And if you look at my project on the rising sea level, I mean, obviously, the, often there's a personal interest, or I have a personal connection to a story because I've read about it, because I researched, because I saw something. For the rising sea level, I'm from Amsterdam. Yeah, you know this city, yeah. which is the capital of the Netherlands, yeah. which is this country which below is on sea water. level. Yeah. We are below sea level, mm -hmm. very well protected, but still, you know, I mean, it, it, it got my interest that I thought, okay, we're talking about a rising sea level, and this will have a huge impact on coastal regions all over the world, and uh, also, what about the Netherlands? Mm -hmm. um, How did you get interested in waste? 
you know, often uh, uh, working on one story leads to, to another story. So I started this story on the, on the rising sea level quite a long time ago. We're talking about 2012, 13. And I came to these remote islands in the, in the Pacific, for example, and there was always this plastic on the beaches. Mm. Mm. Clearly not from there. People said, this is not ours. So we don't know where it, com- it comes from. So, you know, I kind of have had an idea that we had a problem with the waste that we are producing nowadays. But I, I started to realize also that I didn't even know what was happening to my own waste. You know, Amsterdam looks like a pretty clean city. The garbage trucks comes twice a week. You put your garbage back on the curb, and mm-hmm. then it disappears, and mm-hmm. it looks all nice and neat. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I thought this is... I think this is really because we are producing much more waste than before. That's a known fact. Um, why don't I look at six major cities in the world, how they actually manage or mm-hmm. mismanage their waste? So mm-hmm. I was not only looking at the problems, but I was also hoping to find solutions mm-hmm. and how it could be done better. Mm. Uh, yeah, I found the, I don't, I don't know if New York has these, but in LA on in, on this sort of sidewalk on the curbs, there's there's little signs that said basically whatever you dump here ends up in the ocean. And it's like a way to remind people in their everyday life of the waste that they produce. So has all of this made you, I mean, you talked about the climate crisis that we're in, which I think is becoming, I mean, the Guardian in the UK now has established that that is the only term that they'll they'll use. They don't even use climate change anymore. And more and more media is adopting that. When you're deeply involved in this kind of work, how do you keep from getting incredibly depressed? <laughs> um, because of people, you know. I mean, I think, you know, for for if if you look at the sea le- the the project on the sea level, I went to many parts of the world. So mm-hmm. I was in the Pacific and uh, Kiribati, Marshall Islands, Jakarta, Bangladesh, Netherlands, Miami, New York. You know, I think we and by we we mean. I mean the people who live in Europe and the U.S. specifically. I think we lost our, often we lost a bit, it sounds a bit cheesy, but we lost our relationship with nature. So the Dutch is a very good example. You know, we live behind our beautiful dikes. We feel completely safe. But I'm still from a generation where where I grew up with the fear of the sea. That doesn't exist anymore. So, Mm. you know... We live in a society nowadays where we don't really know how to act often. If the electricity cuts today, or the internet disappears, or there's a flood, uh, and I think people in New York know what I'm talking about, people go in a panic. They don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And But, you know, being in countries like Bangladesh or, or places in the Pacific where people are, it feels like people are much more aware Mm-hmm. what's going on and mm-hmm. that they're much closer to nature you know i mean in the past our grand 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 grandparents if if there would be a flood we would move to higher grounds mm-hmm. it's not in our system anymore mm. wait, ba- wait, by the way when you said that you grew up with a fear of the sea what well, that was from what okay um that that was because uh the netherlands had a wake-up call and that wake-up call was in 1953 which was a very heavy storm uh, combined with a spring tide, and that caused the most of the southwest of the of the Netherlands to flood, uh-huh. uh, and about nineteen hundred people died. Yeah, which was a huge number for. And a you were, like were you 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 um, 
I was not born yet. So I, w- I when was, were you born? I was born ten, ten years later in 1963. But okay. you know, I mean, that's when the Dutch we we developed this whole what they call the Delta Plan. So the dikes were reinforced, the sea arms were closed off the sea. So my youth was like infiltrated by yeah. what happened at that time. And we for school outings, we needed to go to the dikes and see the wonderful engineering that the Dutch were doing. And that changed so, the way people think about the sea or for, nature. Yes. At that time, but that that kind of disappeared, yeah. you know. So, th- it's not in our system anymore that we could that relocation is an option as well. And I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be sound very depressing, but you know, I mean, it's not, it's not a question if the sea level is going to rise three meters, yeah. uh, three feet, or six feet, or nine feet. The question is only when it's going to happen. Yeah, and and what that means for coastal areas. What does that mean for New York? What does that mean for Amsterdam? Miami, I think we know, is is, is in a pretty bad condition because built on limestone. But the fact that to tell Dutch that Amsterdam might be evacuated by the end of the century, which is a possible scenario, which is in 80 years for such an historical city, is very difficult for people to grab. Mm -hmm. So, you know... What I'm saying is that that I've been to other places in the world and that kept me for, from becoming depressed where the government is more active mm-hmm. and where people are more active and they find their own solutions mm-hmm. uh, to, to well, adapt. Well, partly it has to do with just feeling like you're in sync with nature as opposed to sort of in opposition. I mean, you know, I mean, we the, New York should have had the same wake-up call that... <coughs> That the Netherlands had. I mean, we've had hurricanes here, and and we had one in Sandy, whatever it was, eight years ago. I I live in a part of the city that's right on the water, and and the part it's called Red Hook, and the part of the city that I live in was underwater for a long time under Sandy, and and there's like a there is there is in that community a sort of profound sense of the inevitability of this coming back, and it does change. And I think people are much more involved in politics and policy as it relates to climate issues, but for most of the rest of the country, it hasn't really materialized yet. No, and you know, I mean, it, I often questioned myself, what kind of disaster needs to happen for real action is being taken? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and as someone said to me, Superstorm Sandy was bad for New York, you know, it, n- people had never seen this before, blackout, flooded, but he said... Excuse my cynicism. Only forty-four people died. Mm-hmm. So you know, Katrina. I think where many more people died, there was probably more action, quicker action, mm-hmm. than what New York have seen. Because according what I read this week, the whole master plan, the Big U, uh, which has to protect Manhattan, is being shelved by the Trump administration. By the Trump administration. Right, which is which a is a federal issue, not a. I mean, the, the city officials are behind it, and state yeah, officials. Yeah, that's are why I, I'm 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 pretty shocked, right? I yeah. mean, okay, there are some people, including I think the president, who are doubting that there is a human factor to the to the climate crisis, but there's no doubt that that New York is at serious risk. Yeah, and we all know this is not just for New York, but also for a country like the Netherlands to 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 implement those plans and all the all the bureaucratic paperwork which uh, that needs to go through, as somebody explained to me, it can take a decade to put a bench in a park in New York. Oh, my God. We, we spent, like, what, 30 years putting a new subway line on that has four stops, um, and that's how long it took. I mean, you do a sort of 
particular kind of journalism, which is immersive, it's multimedia, it's both video and photography and words. So, I mean, there's not a lot of people who have that those, that kind of cross-discipline who do what you do, but when you just read coverage of the climate crisis, how, what is your sense of how effective journalists are at are now at communicating the, how dire this is? Well, I I think journalists can be quite effective. I they think can it, be, but how are they doing? Do you well, think? I think the problem is sometimes the media. Uh, you know, because you know, I mean, it it requires, especially if you talk about stories about the climate crisis, it it requires time. It requires time to come back to places uh, to understand. You know, it's it's about tidal systems. It's about ev- everything, right? And. I don't know exactly in the U.S., but I'm afraid it's the same here as as, as we see it in Europe. That budgets for in-depth journalism, yeah. where real time can be spent, uh, are are fading away. I mean, they still exist, but I don't think it's completely understood how massive the impact will be in the in the coming decades. You know, we 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 still have this attitude. Um, that we don't really know, and it's going to be the ne- next generation have to look into this, has to solve this. You know, I mean, it it feels, especially if you did more research on it, it feels so irresponsible. Where we are the generation, uh, well, we we basically pretty much screwed up this planet, mm-hmm. and uh, in 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 a in a century, and uh, you know, I mean. If we we cannot stop this anymore, let's cl- be clear about this. You know that the the tilting point that we could have reversed this was, I believe, in the mid eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cannot stop this, but we can extend our lifetime, mm-hmm. and we can, you know, we can build smarter cities. We can think about the architecture. We there's a lot to be done, which which could could actually make it a better place, even. And um, yeah, we stick our heads in the sand, and you know, I think the media not. There's, you know, I Washington Post. Uh, I I work for frequently. It's yeah. uh, there's a lot of opportunities there. So there are some exceptions to the rule. Yeah. Um, so you were saying that, you, that people don't have the budgets and the time. What else is what else is well, hindering? Of course, the there are of, budgets. Right. Budgets are there. It's about priorities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what's hindering people is that the, it's a not a good message, and I think. That that's also why populist movements in the in the U.S. and in Europe are on the rise because it's it's often connected now to the climate crisis. So just tell people that there's nothing wrong, there's no problem. You can drive your car, you can fly as much as you want, and there's there's no issue because it's not true. So you know, and that makes it a, a bad message for any reporter who reports on this or any newspaper who makes this a priority. And I think. I don't know. I mean, I I don't know well enough the the U.S. to judge on this, uh, but I do feel that it that it plays a role, and it's sometimes difficult, right? I mean, if it was a b- real challenge to work on this project about the rising sea level, and I was very lucky and also impressed that the New York Times adopted this project at mm-hmm. a very early stage. Mm-hmm. We're talking 2012, mm-hmm. but it's it's difficult projects because you're talking about something which is difficult to visualize you know you so you're talking about a future problem it's right. n- it's not like a 
a famine and people are dying now or uh, or, or a flood and people are, are right. drowning now. Right. So, you know, it, that makes it... But I wish there was more attention, you know. I think there's that there's a need also for a stronger collaboration between between photographers, videographers and writers, you know. Mm-hmm. I think stuff happens and really great stuff happens, but I think by far not enough. And so it, it's I I know this, you know. I mean, I know that I'm I always initiate my own stories and in the end I manage to sell them. But I know how difficult to sell is. One of the things that intrigues me about your work is like, how do you, what are the economics of this, right? I mean, how do you spend so much time and so much travel? How does that, how do you make that work? Well, you can make it work because you, I'm freelance, so I can sell it. Uh-huh. So it's not, you know, the Washington Post or the New York Times is not my only client. So right. I can sell it to, to the Dutch, the Germans, oh, the I see. French. So the so same project sells yes. to multiple people. Yeah. Basically, the only mis- uh, business model as it can work, um, right. but uh, otherwise, it's uh, yeah. I, d- you know, I mean, I don't think there's a medium any anymore who would not me- maybe even t- National Geographic who would send you two years no. to work on a story, right? Um, which works against. I mean, this is it works against the most important stories that we're facing right now. Whether it's climate, whether it's the immigration issues, whether it's sort of. And, nationalism and those are long term deep stories and those deep stories are needed right i mean we would, it, it's just a small we sc- have to scratch off the surface right you know and that, and that's i that troubles me yeah what do you work what's next i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> enough of that what's that, next that's always the uh, no i'm i'm taking a step back to uh. to to think a bit, you know, there was a little bit too much happening at the same time. So I'm, I'm also thinking, you know, I'm shooting more video now. How I, how I balance the video and the stills. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really effective. I mean, I think, I think having both using drones and and having both is really effective. Yeah. So you know, I mean, uh, it, it, I will stay in the climate. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's that's pretty much for sure. Yeah. But it's it's as I said, you know, I mean. It, it's always a challenge to how to visualize it, and I think visuals are super important because it makes people understand that that something is happening. But you get a lot of crap as well for it, right? People will tell you it's not true, and there's always a f- sunny day flooding in uh, Miami. Yes, it's all true, right? But imagine that there's three or six feet more water, and what it, what it means then? Then you're permanently flooded. Do you think that that visual storytelling is particularly important? on this even more than the written word? I think so. I don't know if I should say I think so or I'm afraid so, but, you know, I think the combination of the two is the best. That's another issue often, right, that there's no, not enough money to send a visual storyteller and a, rea- uh, and a writer uh-huh. at the same time. Yeah, I think people often, they need, although visuals are questioned nowadays, uh, but I think visual proof is uh, is essential. Yeah. Kadir, thank you so much. It was so interesting to talk to you. Very happy. So you can read about journalism's coverage of the climate crisis on CGR.org on our daily email newsletter. And keep an eye in the next few weeks. Our newest print magazine is going to be coming out, and it's in, v- devoted entirely to journalism's coverage of the climate crisis. So watch out for that. See you next week. Bye.